Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Conn. I'm delighted to be joined on this week's show by Record Sports Fraser Wilson and Graham Young. Guys, how are you? Good afternoon. I'm very well. Thanks, Daniel. Yourself, Graham? Uh, all good, Daniel. Glad to be on. Excellent. My favourite well, of the week. <laughs> Deleted, mate. <laughs> um, aye, it's been a busy week for Celtic, as it, as it usually is. And Graham, I think probably best to start uh, recording this on Thursday, uh, last night's game against St Mirren. Um, again, big win for Celtic, but for a lot of the game, it looked like it could be points dropped. Yeah. Uh, it was, it's the type, if you put it in context, beating the third-place team in the league, team who hadn't lost an away game all season, it's a good victory. The first half was actually pretty good, I felt, for the most part. I know St Burns scored, but there was a tempo of it Celtic that maybe these games that Rodgers' teams in his first reign and now have dropped points in, or the St Johnson game would be the one example this season where there was maybe a lack of tempo, but that wasn't um, a factor in the first half. It was actually in the second half it felt that Started to go awry a wee bit. I thought St. Bern did a great job engaging Celtic high up the pitch and press. I think Postacoglu said it last year in the cup game. I ended up maybe 4 0, but for long spells, Steve Robinson's team were uh, quite aggressive, pushing Celtic back. And um, it wasn't until the subs that really changed the game. That was a big moment when it feels the Celtic squad stretched. I thought Yang was brilliant off the bench. Uh, Oden Holm, who I think Rogers is a big fan of, and it's just been Maybe biding his time, he was excellent as well. His little slide rule pass for the winner. And O, obviously as well, coming off the bench to fire home. So I think that's a massive element of the game, that the impact of those three substitutes. Um, while there's probably also a worry for the fact that I know James Forrest got the big build-up for the manager about how his pace is still equivalent to Rise in Maeda, but um, maybe James Forrest starting games for Celtic in 2023 is indicative for where this squad is right now. I know he was a role player under Postacoglu, but for him to kind of come into the starting lineup last night, well, see, Jot has left the club, a bad is out. I think it shows with that. But the, the big highlight, I think, was the, the impact of those three subs in the second half. Uh, Yang looked. Yang's an interesting player. He's, he's tall. He's not some dainty winger. He's got a bit of something about him. And nice touch. He's nice cut inside. Holm uh, looks a proper talent. And I think O's been coming close to that goal for a while. You know, it's, it's uh, obviously just, this is a really silly point, but Odin Tiago home, and he's yeah. Tiago because he just likes Tiago mm-hmm. Alicantara. So he, he picked that name himself. Yeah. You have that phrase? There's not many Norwegians called Tiago, is there? So. <laughs> would you think of that phrase, or is that? He's at home with that name. That's what I would say, uh, mate. Right, moving on. Um, <laughs> what was the question? No, that was it. That was it, to be honest. Um, uh, we'll come back to the subs in a wee minute because I, I definitely great think point. you make a great point, Graham. One player, Fraser, that, that is obviously at a big crossroads in his Celtic career, it seems, is David Turnbull. 
Um, scored a brilliant goal last night, but I think I'm right in saying his contract's up at the end of the season. Yeah. He's never really kneeled down a, a starting berth. I mean, I don't know. Does he, do you think he'll get a new deal at Celtic? Or? I think he's one of those players that every club, any club in Scotland would want on their books. He's a special talent. I don't think anyone would deny that. With the ball at his feet, he's a magician. I mean, that goal summed him up. I think whenever you see David Turnbull shaping in that area, shaping to shoot, you know, one or two things is going to happen. Either the keeper's going to pull off a world date or that net's going to bulge. So I think he's a very, very important squad player for Celtic. To balance that, I can't see him ever being a regular starter in the midfield three. Um, know with the pace and intensity like to play at in the big games uh, but for somebody to bring off the bench I think yeah it is a, is a crucial part of the squad and no cliche is it's a squad game now isn't it so kind of to answer your question I would say yeah but I think he's deserving of a new contract and I'm pretty sure Brendan Rodgers has uh, sort of hinted at that um, this season is he not that, that he'd like, like him to stick about a bit longer I mean, th- this next period with Rio Hattati being out for two or three months is crucial for Turnbull to, if, if he does want to be a regular starter, to prove what he brings to the table, doesn't it? Uh, and he needs to prove it game in, game out, especially in the big games. That is where I just wonder if he's got the quality to be a, a Celtic starter. But um, what, what are his stats? About 25, 26 goals in just over 100 games for Celtic, most of them coming off the bench. It, it's not a bad return. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he is... A big player, a big player, and deserving of a, a contract. He's clearly, he's clearly really, t- a, you know, really talented player. Um, but just on what, what Fraser said there, Graham, I, I don't know if I'm 100 percent right in this, but I feel like whenever he does start a big game, he tends to get a wee bit lost in the mid, in the middle of the park. Is that fair? And and how how would you rate Turnbull's time at Celtic? I think the goal last night was a peach. Um, Aye. I don't think he did his best game last night. I think there's, I think, I think the problem with Turnbull, um, on the same side as Palmer, not to get too deep divey tactics on it, but they were making the same kind of runs and shown in the same side. So Palmer's coming in his right foot, Turnbull's doing the same, trying to turn on um, his right foot as well. So getting a bit kind of log jammed on that side of the pitch. Um, I think Bernardo's a player of interest, but with Hitati out, it feels like to me this is a chance for Oden Holm to kind of another player to leapfrog Turnbull. I think Turnbull's skills are obvious. Like he's one of the best finishers outside of the box that you, you'll see. Like it's a, a real talent. It's, and I think it's a dying art in the game as well. Everything's so micromanaged in terms of how to break teams down, where a guy can just open his body and uh, put it in the top corner. But I think you can see his limitations in this team. That's not to say that Turnbull left Celtic and found. I, I, I don't like downgrade them too much, but a, a team at the top end of the English Championship, you can easily see a David Turnbull highlights video of 15 to 20 goals over a 46-game season, as Fraser touched upon his goal record. But I just think for the way Ange played, he probably wasn't the perfect fit, and even more so maybe Rodgers. I think there's this real break between the lines, up and down the pitch element that's needed for the three-man midfield that's interchangeable. I think that's where Turnbull just comes up a bit short. Um, which is unfortunate for him. I think he's obviously a talent. I think Knight's last night, he's invaluable, actually. But maybe As an impact player, Graham, oh, it's almost become a position of its own, isn't it? Somebody 100%. to throw on when you need a piece of magic. Mm-hmm. A really, really important aspect of any squad. I mean, if the question was, is he deserving of a new contract? I mean, would you give him one? Um, I think the quote is always a big thing these days with the Scottish, like the, the homegrown rule. 
think that would obviously factor in, but I think in this case it's quite particular for the reason I think he's at the age where he needs to go and play every week. It's not just, I think it's more compelling than just, I think he's got ambitions of his own. He's, he's been at Celtic, he's, he's, there's been loads of times where he's impressed, but just to play every week, I think, I just look at Odenholm, I think the words that Roger said about Odenholm are quite significant. He's talking about the batch of new signings, he, he, he was very quick to praise home, and you can see last night that outside real pass and other wee moments as well, and I know it's been fleeting. I just think he gives Celtic midfield, he gives the Celtic midfield just a little bit more of what Rodgers likes, where Turnbull's qualities are obvious, and as Fraser says, he's an impact player. I just would be surprised if Turnbull gets a nod if home, keeps regressing in the next, and Bernardo as well, potentially, but I just feel there's something about home and Eileen McGregor could be the three with Hikati on the sideline. And then, who knows, maybe, maybe January for, I know they talk maybe about the guys who don't, Rodgers maybe touching the guys that aren't even getting in the mix now, but I think Turnbull's contract is starting to wind down. I think it could be a player who maybe departs in January. He wouldn't get a fraction of the four million or whatever they shelled out for Turnbull then if he leaves in January. Yeah, it's a matter of months left in his contract. I know. But, I mean, he could flip it and ask if that's the reason to hand him a new contract as well, and maybe get another year or two out of him before before he moves on. But I just I, do, I wonder as well if you're him, twenty four, would you sign up for another four years of being a bit part player? I don't know. We need to, you can't see inside the player's head, see what motivates him, can you? He's at a big club, he's getting Champions League football, albeit minutes off the bench. I mean, what's the alternative? How many players, and I think David Turnbull would be a prime example, go down to that English Championship and it swallows them up and, and he, he barely hear them again. Uh, I'm trying to keep my eye on the likes of Kevin Nisbet that, that have gone down there lately and he's doing not bad, he's had a couple of problems with injuries, but that league, because it's it's two games. We talk about two games a week up here for the teams that qualify in Europe. These championship teams in England have to play two games a week every throughout the season for an entire season, and sometimes it's just too much. And I just wonder if David, if that'd be a good move for a David Turnbull. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another talking point last night, game was was uh, Kyogo. Didn't score, obviously, but was still in the thick of the action. What did you make of his yellow card for the clash with Marcus Fraser? Which I thought he got body checked for that. I thought it was a bit weird. Aye, that, would, that was weird, that one. That was... Um, it just... You're probably right. He's, like, it was a weird night for him in the sense he's not used to... Minimal touches is nothing new to him in some games. Uh but his pressing was good, and that was a good example of that. Uh, it seemed a bit a, a weird decision at the time, you know. What I mean? And I think as well, you know, like, like, um, with the home fans and maybe John beating the weekend as well. And he's a Celtic fans that Rangers were. He would point it to legitimate penalty decisions. There's always got to be a pantomime element to um, that. But I think to be fair, the referee for most of the game, I think he called the game correctly. But I, I think the yellow card was a wee bit. Um, a wee bit harsh on Keogh and you can see as well I know he's normally he can get frustrated maybe when he makes his runs and the pass isn't spotted but normally when he he's quite um, docile when a, a decision goes against him but it was quite peeved last night you can see that as well that it upped him so I think he felt aggrieved 
don't think it was about. I didn't think it was a foul. I just think it was a play on in that situation. Um, or as you make the point, maybe I fell the other way. But um, I and then obviously it was instant in the second half that I don't think get much coverage at the time. Um, penalty shout and it's one of those ones. The more you watch it, the more you think well, there's maybe something in that as well. I don't know how Fraser viewed that one. The penalty incident in the second half. Or... I'm 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 the not me. I'm always the strongest. Defender of defences and referees and not being sucked into giving soft penalties and free kicks. It's been a been a my life watching football. Um but in this instance, uh, I reckon Kyogo was hard done by. Um as you say, the more he watch it, the more he realise Big Michael Mandarin's quite lucky. He's, he's actually got his hand in Kyogo's face or throat. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not suggesting he's blooming choked him or anything, but he's definitely made contact with Kyogo's face, which has made the striker go down. Uh, when you see some of the penalties have been handed out recently, for me, Varsity got involved in that one and I. It was quite a blatant one when you watch it back. That, that should have been a penalty. I forgive Beaton for missing it. You know, I, I always do with the referee. I mean, corners these days are an absolute nightmare. But um, that, that, that's, so that's what annoys me about VAR, though. Oh, Surely someone that. should have stepped in and even looked at it. I, I, who knows? Um, Giving up with VAR. Graham, you mentioned earlier Yang. I've got right yes. down here. Graham's love affair with Yang. He's really good. Honestly, he's, he's got to be a good player. The problem Celtic have now, right, is we draw a gone. They've got, if you could turn Palmer and Yang into one winger, you'd have a 30 to 40 million pound winger. So Palmer's delivery is excellent. He's a bit one paced. And I think the only, maybe so far, just watching Palmer, maybe seeing all the tricks that he has, in the sense we know what he is. He likes to cut inside. He likes those clever through balls but Yang just brings something else and that little bit of magic at Pataudry for Matt O'Reilly's goal where he dragged back and crossed I think that hinted towards a player a real potential the problem is he's not the finished article but there was loads to like when he came onto the pitch he hugs the touchline the proper winger can go down the outside likes to cut I need two shots cutting in then he had a couple of passes that went astray but the, the impact was telling and I think that's what really mattered last night that as an impact sub, he really, really, he really made the difference. So he just got in the size that he's, he's better. I mentioned this earlier on. He's big and strong. He's not doesn't look like a light winger where you think he's going to get bumped off the ball. He's very good at actually when he gets contact, he can almost rolls with the ball. So somebody bumps into him and he just takes a touch and goes with it and uses that to get past. I think there's no reason why he can't become a proper Celtic player. The only thing with Yang compared to maybe a Jota is he's learning on the job and the way Jota was. Even after that tough season at Valladolid, the experience at Benfica, he was just further ahead in his development. But I think that the way Yang plays, there's, there's, I'd be shocked if he doesn't reach his potential because there's so much there. And it's just now trying to balance between Palmer brings plenty to the game um, to get that balance right. Maid as well. Obviously, Maid is what rates unquestionable. But there is an argument that in these games against teams that are sat, are kind of in their trenches Maeda sometimes struggle he's better in the big game he's best in really big games at Ibrook European games it's just for Rodgers now we are bad injured Forrest probably past his best I think that's Mikey Mikey Johnson finding it tough to really impress you've got Yang, Palma, Maeda Johnson, Forrest they're all fighting for minutes but I think Yang's one persevering with he could easily start to ding on Saturday and flatter to deceive he's just in that stage of his development but something about last night, the way the game was poised, he was just a real live wire and brought something pretty exciting to the game. And uh, 
I think there's I think there's a player there as well. But that's people talk about Celtic and they're dominating this with the what is it, twelve titles in thirteen years if they win it this season. But the type of players, the profile, they are taking risks with players, Odenholm, Ballerenga, uh, Yang from South Korean football, same way old. It's a big risk to Merge I know you've got your Cal McGregor, Carter Vickers, Matt Riley's now in a metal star as well, Kyogo, in point for the team, but I think Yang, there's just a nice balance act in the next few months between game time and not putting the full pressure on him to deliver as well. But I think there's plenty of signs of optimism that he's going to be a proper player. I, I think he looks really good as well. I think he's got great feet. But on the other um, well, on the other hand, Fraser, we mentioned Forrest starting. I've loved James Forrest. He's been a brilliant player for Celtic. But the fact he's starting games now underline Celtic need strengthening in, in January? Was that harsh? I'd argue that's one area where they don't really. I'm surprised to see James Forrest starting. It's almost like, I could be completely wrong, but it's almost like he's been given a last chance to prove he's still at it. He's only 32, so he shouldn't. He shouldn't be heading for anywhere near the knackers yard yet. I'm not suggesting he is. I just think the pace and intensity that we've spoken about before the Celtic play at, James Forrest's best years seem to be in the past. Now, the way he's performing, I sincerely hope he can prove they're not when he comes back. But he's, to, he's yet to do anything this season that's really suggests that he's, he's still at the level he was maybe four or five years ago. Um, however, but for, for your point, I think Celtic do need to invest in, in January in certain areas. But one, one that I'm really excited about seeing, and he's had a pretty hellish time of it since he moved to Celtic, is Marco Tillio. And uh, I've been spoken to a couple of folk in Australia, a couple of folk here that played against him in Australia when he first arrived. Everyone says this is a guy that's got magic feet. Two, crucially, two really good feet. Um, a good ball carrier to get you up the park. Um, so if you add him into the fray when he's fit, which we're led to believe isn't too far away, um, if he can hit the ground running, um, if Lila Bada comes back fit um, and back to his best, you've got Yang, Graham's going to great lengths to explain. Um, I think Lewis Palmer is starting to show that he's a very good signing. Um, and obviously, you've got Dyson Mida running teams into the ground out wide. I, I don't think that's one area Celtic need to worry about um, when everyone's fit. The, the Tilly one is strange, Graham, isn't it? It's a bit weird. I think. Tilio comes under the there's a message for Rogers about he's in no rush to with certain players to push them. I think the injury as well. He would like a period of acclimation to what it's like to play in Glasgow and the rules. But I think with Tilio's get again, compared to some of this like a Bernardo or a home, he's played a lot of football. A lot of football in the last couple of years. And I think it would I think that maybe the one issue and I think it's hard to deny that a lot of these wingers They've all got plus points that are obvious, but there's also teething problems as well. So it's that balance. And I probably disagree with Fraser there. It's a one position. And I know they've got plenty of options, but I would go big on a proper... If you're looking linked to a Daniel Podence in the summer, I think a proper 8-9... If you're going to spend your budget on a player on that team, then you get the top winger in. With, you've got, I think you're strong in the middle, the kill going all, and then you can start to bring on, you can make the best. So say in the European game, New winger Maeda Kyogo, and then you've got a Palma and uh, Yang in reserve. Tilio as well. Maybe it's a hard case to make with so many options, but I just feel Brendan Rodgers' teams 
I'm always at top wingers. You can go back for every team. That's been like this is first Celtic team Forrest and Clare and Roberts are kind of highlight of a very strong team. And I think they're just since Jota's departure, I think that bona fide number first pick in the team sheet out wide and then you kind of build around there the options the next guy's coming through. And I think it would actually help a guy like Yang. Palmer is a strong option, but perhaps he's not a get nailed on starter at this point. I, th- I think that's when I would go first in summer and eh, January. There's an option to buy a player of real quality, that's when I would go. I like what Palmer's produced in the big games in the Champions League, but see if you had a wad of cash in January, Graham, mm-hmm. you would go wide rather than another number nine? I'd probably go wide before the nine, probably after my big point there. I think goalkeeper still, obviously, you know, that's a long-term plan. To find a real number one. Money on another goalkeeper at the moment, no? No, I, I would. Uh, I, I don't know, I would think differently. I think it's time for, I know Hart's done a good job, but I think he's, the end could be quite immediate when it comes. And, don't think being a secret number one quality, so I think that's all. But if it's if you're going back to up front, it's got to be, I think, a proper and wingers. What is a winger these days as well? Like the well, inside forward, they come in and do different things. I think a versatile starting forward would make a real difference to Celtic second half of the season. Well, on that, obviously, got the winner, but I mean, is he a serious alternative to Kyogo if Kyogo gets injured? You're, you're shaking your head there, Fraser. No, that's where I feel they need to go out and sign another Jack Amakis. Uh, the one thing who obviously brings you is that physical presence. And you need the alternatives, obviously, in this day and age. Well, we always did. Up front, big guy, wee guy goes back to um, pre-war days. So, uh, aye, it gives you that alternative. Interestingly, spoke after the game last night. This is for tomorrow's paper, so I'll not give too much away. But um, it, it does give an insight into his struggles this season and hopes that this is now a starting point for him. But you can read all about that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I think it's been there for all to see that it's just it's, it's not produced this season. But that finish last night was the type of finish I like to see for strikers. It's great to see Turnbull hitting, hitting a ball for 25 yards into the top corner. But see that neat move into O's feet, shuffles it. Stead is himself in slots at home. I think that's everything a good striker should should be able to do. And uh, that goal must give him a surge of confidence. Because I thought when I saw him last season from time to time, it did look like he had really good feet. I remember there was one instance up at Ross County in particular, but a long punt by Joe Hart. He took it and turned the defender in one in one movement. I thought, aye, this boy looks a player. Since then, it's kind of flattered to deceive a wee bit. But hopefully that goal can set him off. Um, and being that alternative to Kyogo you mentioned but I think if Celtic have a wad of cash to go for one big sign in January they do need a third central centre forward uh, somebody that guarantees goals like Jack and Marcus did because I don't think O will ever quite be at that level Do you agree Graham? No I think O's good hey. I think he's really good I think the problem he's been when he's been coming off the bench is you can feel the palpable tension every time he gets those half chances, and the one at the one Awata put the top in at Hearts is a good example. He's just too quick in the draw to try and get that in. But last night, wasn't his goal record last season was decent? Goals at Tynecastle, Easter Road, two against Aberdeen. Seven goals, appearances again this season. Kyogo's got to start. That's my argument against a third striker. You've got an elite striker in Kyogo. Owes not as much of an alternative as Jackamacus was, but Jackamacus was a late developer. These goals started to come late for him after kind of years in the wilderness, failed to really make it at AK Athens and so forth. But I think O's 
his hold-up play has been good at times. Like sometimes he's really good. Sometimes chest pass, make the move, spin inside, and some of his runs. I haven't talked about Kyogo's runs, but all does. Do you know that like the really good teams or the really good strikers? He's great at that kind of dummy into the front post. Kids on, he's going back and then spins back to the front. And I think there will be goals. And more if Kyogo, say for instance, Kyogo, a mild injury for a couple of weeks and no started, he has got that type of potential player that could bang in three or four and a half. He just he's got he's always in the right place. He's running across the six yard box. There's loads of goals in him. And I think Rogers' comments last night um, were quite positive in the sense that you know, like the makeup, his character, how he followed, um, the kind of diet and stuff that comes a modern football player. And um, I was. I think there's I think there's plenty to like about him as well. I think it's been hard. It's the Jack and Mark because shaped hole in Celtic fans' hearts been hard to fill because he was a bit of a surprise hat, wasn't he? In the sense that like, came in late, doubts about Dutch football and then just a, a smash hat. Fans loved him. But obviously always a cheaper at the age range and profile, everything that comes with it. I think it's been hard to kinda of fill that gap that Jack and Mac has left. And Jack and Mac has played a massive role in the first title under Postic Ogwood, so it's obviously a real affection there but I think there's no reason my O can't kick on for here I, I like him that's why again back down to the fact that I think these two strikers are pretty solid and then you bring in a, a wide forward with goals I think that would be Celtic in a pretty decent position I think we should finish on, on the Green Brigade obviously don't want to get bogged down in the politics of it all because it's a, a football podcast but it's a distraction that Celtic don't need Graham I think it's fair to say um, how, do, how do you see it? I think this has obviously been the it's been it's bubbled over in the last couple of days, but this is a long running issue between a board who a board and you can, can you see the biggest part, but obviously a sizable element in the form of the ultras, right? Who would be very quick to point and rightly so, charity drives, um, real colour. Uh, imagination and TIFO is not always politically based, right? So this is an argument as well, and I think that's one thing that Celtic fans I've spoke to have been really strong on, that they don't necessarily agree with everything the Celtic board, they don't necessarily agree with everything the Green Brigade on general issues, and this issue in particular. There's many Celtic supporters who are in support of the Palestine, um, the Palestinian plight, or people in Gaza, right? And they've got no reason against um, flag displays at games, right? And f- maybe feel the border letting the club down by not allowing that when maybe they make the point of it. Ukraine, um, a couple of years earlier, and there's a real grey area when it comes to politics and football. But there's also an element of Celtic fans who feel they probably can't speak up over a feeling that's widespread in the Celtic sport that the Green Brigade do not represent them on every issue. That when the Green Brigade speak, they feel they're speaking to the wider Celtic support. and a lot of guys who would be left-leaning people and believe in um, issues across the globe, across the globe that maybe affect people that are um, in minorities but don't agree with uh, the Green Brigade and the biggest issues as well. And I think when you the statement from Celtic, whatever you say about Celtic as a club, the statement that the six-point statement that kind of read through the litany of um, acts they felt were deemed unacceptable by the Green, you can't. Argue on that. If Celtic could a win a flimsy two-part statement, you go hold on a minute. This is but Celtic have been, I think, making a case for a long time. The AGMs as well. Peter Law, other board members have 
on the record said there's elements of the Green Brigade they enjoy and bring to the club. But this isn't to pin it all on the recent events at Palace Day. I think when you look at the stuff that pointed at Motherwell away, the break into the stadium, um, let's say there was an incident at Hib as well at the weekend. I think this is it's a complicated issue that's maybe getting simplified over a singular flag. And I, I think the support, many supporters don't know what way to go in certain things with this because it is, it's uber complex, it's uber weird and people that might not be pro Celtic board normally might be pro in this instance or people that are pro Green Brigade might it's just very complex and I think that's like the wilder world as well these issues between Israel and Palestine you get a player like Leo Abada Brendan Rodgers talks about taking him out for dinner he's protecting a decent young man who he knows and after the the, the flag displays that's how complex it is and Celtic have been multiple players from Israel playing for them recent years who have been well supported by the club it's not as if these players have been ostracised or treated by even that element of support but then there's a wider issue at play Celtic have a reputation to keep UEFA is a big thing here as well let's not kid ourselves Peter Lowe's been a, a big player in the European Club Association building a mover and shaker in big meetings and then they're looking at UEFA's view on political statements there's, there is just so many issues at play and I don't think Green Brigade for all their benefits that fans could be pro Green Brigade in about eight or nine issues but this one I think the feeling is that it's not just the Palestine uh, statement there is issues here and they can't be allowed to run roughshod over the club every time but I think there's, there's still an element of support and rightly so for certain parts of it as well so uh, you could sit here Dan for two hours hmm. you get multiple different arguments but for everyone it just it's not it's not a black and white issue. It really is the most complex issue the club's faced. Um, just politically, where they stand, where the board stand, where the ultra stand, and where the general uh, population of the support stand. It's, um, and that's, that's what it is. That's a very, very complex issue. I think that was a, a lovely answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fraser, yeah. It was Fraser. They wouldn't have wanted to, to ban the Green Brigade. That's not something Celtic wanted to do. No, but how many times can you let a group of supporters, a small group of supporters, a small segment of your support continually defy uh, your pleas, your orders, whatever you want to call it, be it flags, be it pyros, um, constant fines coming in, political messages. It just seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse and the, the chasm, the, the gap between the two sides is getting bigger and bigger and these instances are becoming more and more common. It's just a, a bad, bad look for the club uh, as a whole, I think. The, the two could really do to get down, sit down, get around the table and thrash this out. But I think that's the biggest issue, Fraser. I think this is the breaking point and I think everyone or the key players on both sides would be acutely aware this is the breaking point because it's been alliances over the years, like there's been an element, an acceptance that the Green Brigade bring plenty in the eyes of the board, but maybe the pyros you touched upon, the fines. But to me, both sides are entrenched in their stance now. But I think there is no obvious path to diplomacy for here on. I just don't feel that the way. And you look at other stuff as well, touched on that the Green, where the Green Brigade are housed in Section 111, there's been talk of a Celtic end, a full rail seating, and the dream of that becoming. I think these things definitely on the back burner right now is this is you've got you could have two family members standing and one could be 
sympathetic to the board stance, one could be sympathetic to the Green Brigade on this issue, but change on the other. I think that that's the point. That it's just it's not. This is this feels like a significant moment in the club's history of an ultras group who've been a massive part of the club over the past decade. But there are guys that stand in that standing section that are sick of them. I'm told. And look, I mean, are they not starting to act like they're bigger than the club themselves? Just com- with. I mean, as I, I go back to my original point, how many times can you justify what the club's asking you to do? Uh, you know that fines are incoming for, for for pyros, which are getting out of hand at a lot more clubs than just Celtic. May I add, look at Wednesday night at Dens Park, uh, a complete fire hazard. But um, they, they just do it anyway, despite the pleas not to. And uh, surely, surely, anyone with a sane mind could see this ban was coming. Mm-hmm. Aye, I think um, I think that brings us to the end of today's podcast, guys. Graham Young, Fraser Wilson, it's always a pleasure. We'll be back next week. Thanks very much for listening. Cheers. Bye.